slash port. I'm Prue, and I'm joined this week, as ever, by my partner in crime, MK. Hello there. Hi. But given that it is a disgustingly rainy and dreary day, and we spent 20 minutes discussing topics and realized that we had nothing, nothing, less than nothing to talk about, um, we are just going to record this as a quick hello and introduction to part B of our long-lost Ask Us Anything episode, wherein we discuss lots of nasty stuff and hope that you will not listen to this in front of small children or near your family. Um, any other lingering thoughts before we send them on their way, MK? Also, don't listen to this in front of the police. Yeah, don't do that. And if you get pulled over, turn this off if you are playing it on your, like, car stereo. Turn it off, like, right away. Yeah, unlike certain Slash reporters who have told us about incidents such as these in the past. (laughs) (laughs) All right, and on that note, I hope you guys enjoy Part B. Bye! Bye! Um, another Anon. I just listened to the Little House episode and have to admit that I squealed a little bit when Prue mentioned a dream of red mansions. Would you ever consider doing an episode on that topic? I just have so many feelings about Wang Zifeng. And I'm sorry that I'm, like, butchering your language. You are. You are butchering it bad. Um, it's Wang Xifeng. Sure. Um, and yes, I would love to do an episode on that topic. But do you want to know the horrifying thing? As I'm sitting here thinking about a Dream of Red Mansions episode, if we weren't doing it exclusively about the television shows, the best person to have on to talk about a Dream of Red Mansions would be my mother. And I (laughs) can't do that. Ever. You can't do that. For a lot of reasons. For so many reasons. For so many reasons. But A Dream of Red Mansions, I've talked about this briefly before. It is, like, so formative for me. It is one of the four classics of Chinese literature. And um, it is a book that is so vibrant with um, astonishing female characters. Key among which is Wang Shifeng. Like, portrayed by, like, amazing actresses almost every iteration of her um, in the films and the television shows. And... I think the reason, I mean, like, I'll give a quick one right now for those who are interested in hearing it, but, like, the reason that she's so powerful is that you are talking about these women who live in in extraordinary wealth in a cloistered back garden of these men who are, like, high-level officials or whatever, and the book is entirely about their lives and the power that they exert within the family, and it is astronomical, the control that they actually are managed, they actually manage to leverage, and all of that is thanks to their ability to kind of, like, work within the confines of their social status and their situation, Um, and it's such an interesting book, and I think that it laid down some real foundational elements for me where instead of just being like pointlessly fruitlessly angry about unfairness to work within the structures that are unfair to overcome them and then break it from that point of view um and I think I do actually credit that a lot to reading these books or not reading these books but like watching this media like hearing these stories as kids and I never like read the novels because they're fucking impossible and I'm like semi-illiterate in Chinese I do have the English translations but they're not as compelling as the original Chinese but like I used to read like the um condensed Nianhuanghua versions which are the ones with like pictures um that go along with the text sort of more like graphic novel versions Mm -hmm. so good so so good I really recommend it to like everyone if you can get your hands on the source material yeah all right next question (laughs) the next question i like 
It terrifies me. Okay. <laughs> From an Anon. This is something I had not heard of, by the way, until I read this question. I was like, WTF. Um, I would be really interested to hear all of your opinions on fangasm, colon, supernatural fangirls, and the idea, which I don't know if this is actually related to the book because I haven't read it yet, just heard about it slash seen articles, of discussing fandom with actors and crew members. Like, wait, immediate. What? Yeah, apparently somebody wrote a book called Fangasm, Supernatural Fangirls, like, about fandom, and I think interviewed, like, cast and crew of Supernatural, which is, like, instantly my nightmare. Yeah. I can't even, like, literally, I think I gasped, and then, like, I did a whole full-body shiver that was, like, not related to my illness, just related to, like, no. <laughs> Please don't do that. I, I, I mean, like, obviously we don't really know anything about this project, but I think Emily and I are both very anti- Streams crossing. Yeah. I, you know, listen to Ghostbusters. Don't cross the streams. Yeah. Um, I think this is the same Anon. Also on an SPN note, uh, you all have talked before about your opinions regarding Canon Destiel. How do you feel about Canon Bisexual Dean? Do you think there's any chance that, that would ever happen, and would you want it to? Why or why not? There is no chance that will ever happen. I, it doesn't matter whether or not I want it to or not. It's just not going to happen. I think that, it, like, so this is the thing that I've, like, seen on the fringes of my relationship with Supernatural. Because I'm not actually, like, really deep in the active fandom, right? Like, I will read things occasionally. And I watch the show. And I feel like it's Waldorf and I have a new terrible tradition where at the end of every season we, like, go somewhere idyllic and then, like, watch the last, like, ten episodes and hate ourselves <laughs> for these choices. But, like, that's the extent to which I generally have an interaction with Supernatural. Um, but I feel like, of late, there has been this, like, interesting movement within the fandom, or certain sectors of the fandom, I should say, that are really pushing for some for canon to reflect the fanon. So, like, people are really, like, pushing for canon, Dean, Cass, or, like, people are really pushing for them to, like, canonically anoint Dean Winchester as a bisexual. And there are a lot of reasons why this will never say never, right? Like, who fucking knows? But 99.9 .9 repeating, it is not going to happen. Because I think that the show has come so far from the original moorings of the series that I think people have forgotten like, what Dean was and who he is from its very beginning iterations. And by no means do I mean that to be that because he is, like, a guy who wears beat-up jeans and leather jackets and, like, drives a classic car and listens to metal, he can't be gay or bisexual. I mean just that within the tropes that the show is built on, he's not meant to be. He's, like, meant to be the ultimate heterosexual. Like, remember that dumb visual joke of him, like, with two girls before he's going to go to hell? Yeah, that is what Dean Winchester is supposed to be all about on the series. Whether or not we in fandom decide to read that into him, uh, I don't know. Whether or not, like, some of the acting choices that Jensen Ackles has made and some of, like, the character choices that the subsequent, like, showrunners and directors and writers have made feed into that directly, I also don't know. But I do know that I don't necessarily believe that they would ever canonize it. And I don't actually think that, like, you need to. I mean, this speaks to a whole thing that, like, I think is more recent in fandom, the desire to see fandom reflected in the canon. Whereas, like, 
my like old bitter fan queen roots are like fandom is fandom like why the fuck would you ever anticipate that it would be reflected in the canon so yeah i will say i mean obviously i don't watch supernatural anymore for me the thing is there are shows where like i definitely think that there's canon that would support this character is by not necessarily supernatural like you're gonna hate me for this Styles in Teen Wolf, there's a lot of setup in the show that could make him buy, and it would 100% make sense. But here's the thing. I wouldn't want it because I wouldn't trust the showrunners to do it properly. And, I mean, I think in this case my standards are probably a lot lower than a lot of the rest of you. So just trust me that, like, be careful what you wish for. You want, like, the right showrunner doing that kind of thing. And most of the, the people out there right now I don't think would do it well or do it the way that you want it to be done and nobody's ever going to be 100% happy with it like when or if it does happen yeah I think that's true and I mean like there's no you know what I take I'm just going to say it because there's like no polite way to express what I was trying to express so let's just move on okay I will say there's another thing that this Anon added to her message which I just thought was hilarious which is, uh, she was like, I love listening to the Slash Report, even if I get weird looks when I can't stop laughing or making grossed out faces, bug cock anyone on the bus or walking down the street. <laughs> I 100% this is still, feel you. That's still not as bad as that poor woman who got pulled over. In Texas. While Slash Report was laughing in her car. It wasn't just Slash Report. It was the porn episode with Cherry Vina. Good. In Texas. Yeah. So... Congratulations to that lady who, like, won the, like, listening to Slash Report at the Worst Possible Time Award. <laughs> By which you mean the best possible time. It depends on who the officer is pulling you over. Hells yes. You could have blown... You probably rocked his world. <laughs> Don't make assumptions. Uh, so, Ananon says, I've always wondered where the Slash cast gets its inspiration for their countless fix. Was this ever touched upon in one of their podcasts? We've done a couple of author episodes with different people. Mm -hmm. um, and I think generally, this is just the thing where it's like, you know, when you're like, why hasn't anyone written this story? You have to write it. That, that's yes. how that works. <laughs> Whenever I'm like, I wish someone would write this. I'm like, well, I guess it's me. I guess I'm writing it now. Yeah. I mean, that's like, that's kind of like the really succinct but always accurate answer. It's like, that's where we get the idea. Like, I want to read it. Nobody else is doing it. Yeah. I guess I'm going to have to do it myself. The first time I wrote fanfic, this is going to be like some terrible 90s shit, so prepare for like the terribleness. Um, Embracing. Yeah. I used to spend every summer at the cottage where there was no internet at all. Even the library did not have internet, and you wouldn't want to use like their computers anyway, especially not for fandom. Is the very early days. Um, so what I did is I printed out a binder of fanfic and I took it up with me and it had to last me two months, <laughs> which is like a terrible, like there's no binder big enough. Um, and one of the stories that I had printed out, it turns out I only had like the first two chapters and then the rest of it hadn't been written yet when I went up there. And it was so frustrating to me not knowing what happened next that I just like wrote the rest of it myself that summer. And, like, I would never post that anywhere, especially not back then, but, like, whatever, because it's not my story. You can't just finish somebody else's story unless they say you can. Um, but that's, mm -hmm. like, essentially how I got into writing fan fiction. Is like, I was like, I need to know what happens, and I think it's probably this. 
And I think even now when I'm like, I think, you know, it'd be great if this happened. That's essentially like how everything that I've ever written has ever happened. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've definitely also like, I don't know about other people, but I've also like written things like that essentially were just like double dog dares gone horribly wrong. Yeah. That's like a lot of my writing as well. I mean, like, I'm not proud of it, but it's true. (laughs) I really like uh, tricking someone into a fandom and then like waiting a little while. And uh, that's like the reason that DILF happened was I was like, hey, Kate, Kate, look at this. It's terrible. And then like three (laughs) weeks later, she was like, fuck you. I'm writing Teen Wolf. Well, I mean, some people are weak to your bullshit. Other people have seen through you by now and will be continually cock-blocking you for the rest of your life. That's because we're soul-bonded. You know me too well to fall for that shit. (laughs) I know they're in on. I'm writing in about Prue's comment that, quote, if you have any thoughts about this, don't write us. As far as we're concerned, it's over, end quote. I like your show, and I listen because I'm interested in the stuff you talk about, and I'd like to participate in discussions, too. Um, if you don't want that happening on your Tumblr, LJ, Twitter, okay, but maybe you could suggest alternate alternative spaces instead. I don't want to talk to either of you personally, thanks, <laughs> but I would <laughs> love to talk more with other listeners to the show. So this is tough, because like I said, like, there's not really, these places don't exist anymore. To okay. actually have discussions. However, and yes. I will link this on the show page, I did, like, finally give in to all of my, like, needs and create um, basically a Usenet forum. Don't call it that. They don't know what that is. That's for I know. Old. It's basically, like, it's basically a message board uh, for discussing fandom. All you need to have is a Google account, which you probably already do. Any person can join it and talk about whatever the fuck you want to. Um, it's small but briskly it's small but moving along briskly right now so I will put that link in the episode show page and you can go there and you can start whatever conversation you want and have it with whoever you want and this is like that's what I miss that's what I miss about like you know I I hate LJ right like I hated it but that's like the one thing that I did like (laughs) about it is that it was a forum where you could actually talk to people can I say I also hate LJ but like the hilarious thing that happened a week or two ago where LJ was trying to, like, get people to come back. And, like, I at first I thought it was just me, but I got, like, a weird spammy-looking email from LiveJournal being like, come back, we've made changes. And I was like, whoa, both block and delete. Like, I never want to see this again. And then I just saw it, like, <laughs> appearing on my Twitter feed, people being like, why is LiveJournal emailing me? I was like, oh my god, so sad. That has to be like a death rattle. Right? It's like, sorry, Live Journal, but we all left. And like, even when fandom was there, they treated fandom pretty shittily. Yeah. Yeah. There was like, uh, one of my favorite examples of LJ treating fandom shittily is people went to a Harry Potter convention. Like, there was like a huge Harry Potter convention. And while everyone was there, Live Journal deleted loads of Harry Potter fanfic and stuff no matter what the pairing or content or whatever was saying that it was all like pedophilia and inappropriate porn that shouldn't be on the site and a lot of it was like g-rated or like between two consenting adults or whatever and they were like whoa 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 how did you time this (laughs) when everyone was away and had to like maybe pay for hotel internet good times good times indeed yeah 
Um, next to none. Have you guys thought about doing an Empire episode? Because of your wreck, I'm now three episodes in, bow down to the wonder of Cookie, and have lost count of the tears I've cried for Jamal. Now I'm lost with no good podcasts for this life-ruining show. We did an entire Empire episode, friend, so that if you did not catch it, you can catch up with all of our screaming about the first season. Um, And once it comes back for season two, do not worry. I am all over that. Yeah, you talked about it a lot. Um, I have a lot of feelings about Empire. Yeah, that's fair. It looks like a great show. Okay, so another Anon. What's next? Crime procedural episode where they need to investigate someone by exploring their contribution to fandom? I guess they've probably already done con-type fanishness. So this is definitely in reference to CSI Cyber. And let me tell you, Anon, the investigating someone's fanish behavior episode has already been done on so many crime shows, and it is always just as bad as you are imagining. (laughs) And that is, like... Not even counting original flavors CSI. Like, every crime show that has run in the last ten years has done it, and it's always just, like, abjectly awful and, like, cringeworthy. Alrighty, then. I guess that's good to know. I'm not even gonna talk about them. Like, just don't. Just don't go there. It's terrible. Okay. Um, another Anon. I know you guys have talked about nodding. But Alpha, Beta, Omega has become its own insane monstrosity of a tumor. How? Where did this come from? Why is hockey RPF so full of ABO? Um, I don't even know. Like, I don't even know where to start. Okay, well, we just, we talked a little bit about the history of nodding. And I, my thought about the history, or not the history, but, like, the popularity of Alpha, Beta, Omega is probably worth, like, a longer single episode, given its, like, sort of juggernaut nature in fandom at this point. Do you, do you agree, MK? Yeah, I was actually just opening our app so that I could, like, put that in the to-do list. Yeah, so I think that we will dedicate, like, an episode to it later this season, actually talking about, like, why this particular trope has become so powerful, but I think in very short, it hits an id button the same way that romance novels do, because within the confines of an Alpha, Beta, Omega universe, it does the same thing that Regency romance novels do for a lot of people, where it strips out a lot of your societal guilt about certain relationship constructs and activities and behaviors that you are not supposed to like anymore. Yeah. And it means that you can. Or, for a lot of people, it creates more rigid societal structures so that when you transgress them, it's even more significant. So that's that's like my short and sweet um, theory on why it particularly works. But, like, I very rarely read, like, my whole thing is that, like, if you're going to go ABO, like, I want you to go, like, pedal to the metal. Like, I want you to go full fucking id. I do not want this to be, like, some sort of, like, softened, watered-down version. Like, if you were going to do, like, Alpha, Beta, Omega, make this as id-tastic as possible. <laughs> I thought you were going to say balls to the wall, but either way, I support you. Balls to the weeping asshole. Good. How about that? Good. Um, Next to none. Would you ever consider doing a Gilmore Girls episode? I'd love to hear what you guys think. Did you ever watch Gilmore Girls? I watched some. I mean, like, it was a show that, like, you almost had to watch if you were, like, a certain type of person during a certain time period. 
See, that's a really weird answer, because uh, when I saw commercials for Gilmore Girls when it first came out, I was like, I am never watching that shit. And now I own six seasons of it on DVD. I just never was into it. Um, I had, like, a death flu for a month in December when I was in university. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, I'm talking, like, I couldn't eat. I was just puking all the time for a month. It was a month of puking. It was terrible. Like, it was so bad. Um, and all I did, because, like, all I was capable of doing was, like, order seasons of Gilmore Girls off Amazon and then just, like, mainline it when I was conscious. And yes. And not gonna lie, I love Luke so much, even though, like, in retrospect, I'm like, oh, that's kind of like a creepy nice guy situation happening there. There's a lot, like, I have a lot of complicated feelings about it, but I don't know that there would be anyone to talk to about it other than Paul, who is never coming back on the podcast. (laughs) Listen, Paul is, like, the first time he came over to my apartment, he was like, holy shit, you own all the good seasons of Gilmore Girls? We should rewatch that immediately. (laughs) Because Paul. Yeah, I mean, like, I'm just, it's its just not something that has ever, like, really struck me as a show that I like. I There were parts of it that I like, there were lots of parts of it that I did not like, and it, it's very twee. Yeah, it is very twee, and it's, one of the interesting things about Gil- Gilmore Girls was, like, the fact that their scripts were so much longer than anything else on television, because it was written knowing that they would have to speak much faster than any other show. Yeah. Did you, you know about this, right? Uh, well, I guessed, given how fast that they talked. Yeah, but, like, literally it's something that if you, like, ever watch the extras or whatever that they talk about, where they're like, our scripts were, like, 20 pages longer than everything else on television, because there's just so much dialogue. I would scream. Yeah, apparently it was real intense. <laughs> Anyways, I have a lot of feelings about Gilmore Girls, but, like, I don't know. It might happen, it might not. I wouldn't say it's, like, a priority right now. If it comes up, it comes up. Got it. Next, Anon. Thanks for your most recent episode on Empire. It was my on-again, off-again companion during a long day spent with many small children and all the elders in my family asking me when I'll ever get married. (laughs) Um, Family gatherings are marginally less daunting when they align with two-and-a-half-hour-long episodes of Slash Report. Dude, I'm glad that we could be of service. Yeah, I wish I could do that. Sometimes I just tell people I'm sick so that I don't have to go. Um, But that's usually for the things where I have to drive three hours each way to get there. And I'm like, "Uh uh-uh. I don't even like you assholes. (laughs) Don't ever let my family listen to this for so many reasons, but, like, especially that one. I mean, obviously. Yeah. Um, Another Anon. I started watching The Flash because of you guys, but I'm finding Barry really creepy and unlikable with his relationship with Iris. Is this a case of the guy eventually getting rewarded for his obsessiveness, or have they dropped the Barry-Iris stuff? I loved all the other characters, but that romance is a deal-breaker for me. Okay, Anon, let me tell you a thing. Oh, I am, God, where is this going? <laughs> I'm real behind on The Flash. Let me tell you a thing. <laughs> Real stones on medicine right now. You don't know. Um, I'm really behind on the flash because, like, I only watch it when I'm in the gym here exercising, and I haven't been exercising because I'm too tired from work. Um, but at a certain point, I was having like the same problem because I'm like Barry, I like you, but. 
but if you keep this creep up with Iris, I'm going to, like, straight up stop watching and murder you. Um, and I talked to Gus Lepagus because she apparently read a bunch of Flash comics or something and also is, I guess, watching The Flash, even though, like, I thought the only other person doing that would be Mare. I was like, who will go with me into this dark night? Apparently Lepagus. And she was like, you don't know? They're canon in the comics. Barry and Iris. And I was like, are you shitting me right now? Like, that sounds terrible. Now, I don't know what has happened since the kajillion episodes that I've missed because I'm just, like, they're all on my iPad. I just haven't watched them yet. Um, some shit could have changed. And, like, who knows? Because this is run by the same people who do The Flash. and in, Or, sorry, by Arrow. Um, and in Arrow, they, they actually, like, listened to people and were like, it turns out you guys love Felicity, let's do more Felicity, let's, like, push some Felicity on this show. And that worked out really well. I'm also way behind on Arrow, like, don't spoil me here. Um, so, like, fingers crossed, they can fix shit in the flesh, but if they don't, you might want to bail, like, right now. Ask a friend. <laughs> Ask a friend who is actually caught up on television. Okay, then. You haven't been watching this, right? No. I I told you. I only watched, like, one or two episodes of The Flash. It was literally because it was crossing over with Arrow. I can't believe, like, this is the thing where, like, when I heard you be like, or you were tweeting or something, and you were like, I can't believe I have to watch The Flash in order to catch up on Arrow. I was like, you monster. How could you not (laughs) tell me that you were watching Arrow? Because I didn't want you to, like, be excited about it. I'm so excited. That's the problem, MK. I was like, how dare you not share this joy with me? Oh, my God. Um, next to none. Are you guys going to do an X-Files-centric app? The news we're getting... <laughs> the news we're getting has me needing to hear other fangirls sobbing happy tears about it. Oh, hells yes, we're going to do an X-Files-centric app. Good. But I'm going to do it right, which means I have to find the right people. And we probably need a little bit more information about the upcoming one. So we can do lots of retrospective discussion. But I would also like to know a little bit more about what we should expect. And then you'll know because all you know, like, you'll hear it like an echoing scream through the night. Like the quiet whisper of the weird opening song. And then all the fangirls who have been waiting resting like the earth will suddenly awaken together and will rise. It's time to go back to the basement. You monsters. <laughs> okay. Next one. I'm pretty sure this is for you. Another Anon. I'd never heard of Taron Edgerton before Kingsman. <laughs> and now he's also going to be playing Tom Hardy's lover in Legend. My fangirl shipping heart is exploding this year. I never understood the whole daddy kink thing before being thrust into Kingsman. No regrets. Right. Yeah. So Taron Edgerton, who I was like, so I thought he was lovely in the movie. I thought that he brought a real sweetness to the role that I didn't anticipate. He was just so sweet. So sweet. And of course, my natural reaction to seeing like a very sweet young boy is to immediately have much older men do sexually exploitive things to him. Um, but, so I was like, oh, he's cute and he's very sweet. And then I found out that he was Welsh. And that's where my problem started. 
I was just like fond of him before then, and now like I have a problem with a capital P about Taron Edgerton, which meant I looked a bunch of stuff up. So this he's very new. He's really new. I think he recently graduated from drama school. He did a little bit of TV. Um, he was on Lewis, but fucking everyone's been on Lewis. I've probably been on Lewis without knowing that I've been Wait, on Lewis. Wait, he was on Lewis? Because I've been re-watching Lewis. Yeah, he was on, like, one episode of Lewis or something. But I did not, I didn't research. Because, I, like I said, literally everyone is on Lewis. I know, but now I feel like I have to find that episode. Because, like, I think it was last year. I just, like, watched all the Lewis I could find. Well, you should look it up. Um, but he was on Lewis. He played a student. At one point, he had a guitar, I think. I don't know. I didn't look up the episode. I mean, that describes, like, and everybody on Lewis because Oxford. I know, unfortunately. Unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. He was also in a show called um, Up in Smoke or In the Smoke, something like that, where he plays a firefighter. So, obviously, I have to research that for pervert reasons. Oh, my God. Uh, what I just realized is my eternal sadness. What? We haven't had, like, a Bradley James episode of Lewis. He was on Lewis. What? How do you not know this? I told you I only watched what I could find. Well, there is a Bradley James episode of Lewis. Oh my god, I need that, like, immediately. I need to, like, shoot it into my veins. You start searching for it. Anyways. But, um, so he was in, uh, he was in that show. And then this, uh, then Kingsman was the very first movie he ever did. This is like the third thing he's ever done. And this is his first, it was his first movie. And so his next project, um, which you would know too, Anon, if you looked up um, all of the interviews that he and Colin Firth did, like a creeper the way that I did, is that he was doing some movie, another movie with Matthew Vaughn about ski jumping. And that should be tremendous. And um, yeah, he is playing gangster Tom Hardy's boyfriend in Legend. But that's like that's a that's a movie that potentially has some like seriously like Frank Miller level violence in it. So I'm like uh, very much I'm very much withholding my opinion on it until I actually see more. Um, yeah, that's about it. But he's really pretty, and if you ever want like a real laugh, his go check out his Twitter page and look at what the Twitter header image is. Oh no! Just I the problem the pro like I'm usually very like dead to rpf pairings but like i have a serious problem because his crush on colin firth is visible from like space and like my instincts are torn because like usually <laughs> I have, yeah you saw it now right yeah. usually when i see people who have crushes on colin firth my instinct is to fight them because i love him more than they do and thus i deserve him more but he's also like welch so i don't want to hurt him ever i just want him to be happy and cuddle a lamb but so this is really causing me a lot of issues um i also want you to know that one of his most recent tweets and i say most recent it's from march 30th is him retweeting hugh jackman being like i'm on location with like these people including taron edgerton so apparently they're just casting taron edgerton in like things where he can be next to like a hot larger older dude I mean, I know <laughs> somebody out there is a genius. I mean, it's really upsetting me. <laughs> I know it's really upsetting. <coughs> <gasps> I'm done now. Continue. A plus. Um, another anon. 
I totally agree with Mklutz, the Teen Wolf fandom really is dying, and not just the shipping side of things, since there seems to be a lot less general Teen Wolf stuff being made or discussed. I knew it wasn't like Supernatural, where that fandom has stuck with it through a lot of crap, but I didn't expect a drop-off so much and so fast. I can't remember a show that went through having so much love to so much hate. Usually it all just ends in apathy. Can you guys think of any other examples? Um, I, I feel like this depends, right? Like, for me, I've had a lot of apathy. Like, my feelings towards the canon of Teen Wolf have been apathetic the whole time. I've loved the fandom. I still love the fandom. And I think the reason that I can still be like, yeah, I love this shit, is because I've never cared about the canon. It's just like, I was like, well, that's pretty terrible. And it's going to keep being terrible. We'll see what happens. I literally get my updates on what happened on the show via Tumblr. But if you were, like, passionately following along and you really believed that, like, Jeff Davis would maybe do something great and then, you know, he basically fucked you over in large ways after, like, making certain promises and then not doing that. Surprise! He's a terrible showrunner. Uh, that's just how that goes. But it is hard to think of other fandoms that went from, like, I love this to, like, burn everything. No, they have to exist. I mean, they have to exist. I'm just having trouble thinking of any. Yeah, I mean, maybe we've just, like, totally raised them from our memory. Maybe. I mean, I feel like I've been in a lot of, you know, like, I always have, like, what I would call, like, the prime fandom, which is, like, the main mm -hmm. thing that I'm into at any given time. And then there's, like, a handful of other things that I will, will read you know, during that same time, but they're not, like, my main thing. You know what? I would say the closest I can think of immediately is um, House. Oh, yeah. House did kind of go from, like, this is fantastic to, like, fuck this. Yeah, because, like, the big moment where I was like, fuck you, was when Cuddy broke up with her PI boyfriend. Yep. And went to House. And I was like, un fucking believable are you kidding me like this is not even a thing where like people were slashers in house but it was like why would you do this it made no like, sense no one wants this i was really hoping that that was like house is unconscious and in a coma and this is his dream but like in reality she's still with that pi because that was the only way it made sense to me no i think everyone agrees on that front yeah I'm trying to think, was there anything else that I, like, felt that way about that I can think of? I mean, uh, I guess this is probably a terrible example. Evangelion? Do you know what I mean? Like, when I, when <laughs> okay, what, 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 what was the pivot point for Evangelion, okay? <laughs> I can't think of what when the particular... Did, when did Neon Genesis Evangelion make that change from being like, oh, this is great, to this is terrible? I identify the point to me. I mean, listen, when I watched it, I was relatively young, and I was definitely misunderstanding some things, but I remember being like, yeah, I really like this show, even though it's pretty fucked up, and then there was, like, some shit happening to Asuka, and I was like, wait, what? What? No. Was this before or after you figured out what Rei Ayanami and the Zero Plug were? I already knew about Rei Ayanami and the Zero Plug, and I was like, that's fucked up, but I was willing to keep going, but, like, when they started <laughs> fucking with Asuka, I was like, No! Unacceptable. Woof. Yeah. I don't know. 
That's all I can think okay. of. Okay, also, sorry. I Clearly, I don't think we can think of them anymore. But yeah. I have to tell you, going back to Taron Edgerton <laughs> and his upcoming movie with Tom Hardy, I just, I didn't know this was happening, but this is happening to us. Guess who else is in this movie? Please tell me. Colin Morgan. No. David Thewlis. What? Christopher Eccleston. What? Yeah. Why would they do this to us? So, Tom Hardy is obviously playing identical murderous mob twins, Ronald and Reginald Cray, because that is totally the sort of thing Tom Hardy would do. Uh, Colin Morgan is playing their driver. Christopher Eccleston is playing a detective in charge of taking down the Crays. Taryn Edgerton's character is named Edward, quote, Mad Teddy Smith, described on Wikipedia as a psychopathic gay man rumored to have had affairs with Ronnie. And David Thewlis is playing the Cray's business manager who was sickened by the twins' violence. So this is a film that is just happening. Oh my God, Paul Bettany is also listed on here. Come on. I'm not joking. I don't even, like, I don't want to see it. And yet at the same time, I'm like, the gift sets, like... I, like, need to know about this movie, but at the same time, like, I don't want to watch it. Yeah, it's like I want someone to summarize it for me and just show me people being beautiful. But, like, other than that, I'm like, don't don't show me the violence and shit. I, I don't want that I'm part. not convinced it's going to be that beautiful. There's always a couple of frames that you can be like, this is beautiful. Have you seen what they're dressed in for the movie? No, I haven't seen anything. I just read that ask. Okay. Well, you're going to be disappointed. We should move on. Oh, leaving me on that note. Um, <laughs> another Anon. I thought this would be important to Prue and to anybody else who has ever needed Jillian Anderson and Archie Punjabi being transcendentally perfect together. And then she's given us a Tumblr link. Oh, have you not seen this yet? You should click on it. Are we going to have to link to this on the show page? Oh, oh, yes, we have to link to it on the show page. So I'll leave this in our ask box. What? Hello? Hi. (laughs) There we go. Yeah. Holy shit. (laughs) That's, I didn't know that I wanted that until I did. I know. Wow. Yeah, we'll link to that. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. Another Anon. With the news of X-Files returning, I'd like to share <laughs> my sole memory of the series. It was David Duchovny suspended in green fluid in a test tube thing that you see in sci-fi. I think he was only in his underwear. Jillian Anderson was very worried about him. Maybe he was dying? Do you know if this exists? And if so, what episode it was? So here's the deal. I remember when I originally saw this ask, I made a note to look it up because Mulder is in peril so frequently (laughs) that it could be all sorts of different things. I don't remember off the top of my head one where he's like dunked in a test tube. Like that's a much more explicit memory of Scully from the movie. Um, But I am, I totally believe that he would have been, like, tubbed at one point. Like, he's a dumbass. This shit has happened. Like, the running meme in X-Files was like, 
has Mulder dropped his gun yet? So it, this probably <laughs> did actually canonically happen. Good. He was like, like that show, if you watch it, still inverts so many gender stereotypes. It blows the mind. It's amazing. Like Mulder is like the least badass dude in law enforcement who has ever existed. His magic power is like psychology and feelings. Um, he's always the damsel in distress and he's always like hysterical and freaking out about stuff. Whereas Scully is the one who actually like has her shit together and usually has to go rescue his stupid ass. And he also like watches porn constantly, but never masturbates. He just puts it on in the background. It's just there. He likes it. The sound is comforting to him. (laughs) I, it like at some point it just normalizes. You're like, Oh, he's just watching porn. He's not doing anything. He's sleeping. Yeah. It's like a white noise machine to him. Another Anon who has a two-part ask. I abhor mainstream incursions into fandom. Every time I notice, I just want to weaponize Janet Malcolm. Quote, every journalist who is not too stupid or too full of himself to notice what is going on knows that what he does is morally indefensible. He is a kind of confidence man preying on people's vanity, ignorance, or loneliness, gaining their trust and betraying them without remorse. That said... I'm very lax with settings because I'm just transitioning into writing slash drawing for fandom, and the risk I'd be noticed by mainstream is very low. So I don't lock anything down or make it easier, or to make it easier for fandom people to find me. Also, part of my fandom activities is on foreign language websites, and that's a whole different ecology altogether. I don't know how I feel about the journalism thing. Well, I know exactly how I feel about the journalism thing, which is that that quote is spoken by someone who doesn't know what the fuck they're talking about. Um, I understand why people would have that point of view, but, like, to say that it's wrong is still falling short of the magnitude (laughs) that it needs to be expressed. It's, you know what, like, if you want to hold that close, like, go ahead. Just ignore all the great work that journalists have done and how you wouldn't know fucking shit without them. Um, that being said, I think that the relationship that journalism has with fandom is really, like, is very stricken and very unsettling because it is not, it is not the sort of journalism that needs to happen, right? Like, no one would ever say that, um, it sucks and journalists shouldn't look at, you know, war crimes because I think everyone agrees that like, it's very important that people make these uncomfortable incursions to find out the truth about things. Cause we need to know about them on yeah. a global oral ethical scale. There's a like, lot of stuff that we only know about because people have been doing journalistic work about it. Yeah. But there's no fucking reason people need to know about fandom. Right. No, absolutely. Like, not. So, So the reason people are researching this is because it's an interesting story, because it's X, because it's Y. There's always, like, a level of salaciousness to it. Um, And I think that to a certain extent, there's, like, a level of, like, well, we can't avoid it, right? Like, as fandom mainstreams, people are going to be interested. People are going to research this topic. And no one is ever going to cover the fandom to your satisfaction unless it's someone on the inside, right? Like, if you have, like, a fandom person covering fandom – But then that's not really like an unbiased view, especially the way that fandom like perceives it's, you know, like 
even the way then, that fandom thinks that journalism should be done is not the way that journalism actually should ever be done. So there will never be a comfortable balance there, I think. There's also because like, the whole point of journalism is to like uncover things and to distill them to their essentials, which is really uncomfortable for fandom. There's also the thing, like, even if you have someone in fandom reporting on fandom, I actually find that pretty abhorrent for reasons that I think we've discussed at length. Yeah, I mean, but, so, the thing is, like, we don't want people who are in fandom breaking the code of silence and reporting on it. People outside of fandom aren't going to get it right, so there's not going to be, like, there's never going to be a comfortable moment. Yeah, you just have to, like, try to keep that shit tucked and don't cross the streams. Yeah, and for the most part, like, the, the other ugly truth is, for the most part, like, the really good journalists, the sort of people that you would want looking at this stuff, don't cover this shit. Yeah. The other thing is that, like, don't talk to reporters, guys. Mm. Just don't talk to reporters. Like, you don't know what you're doing. Like, don't talk to reporters. Like, it will backfire on you. I've had so many people ask me, like, hey, so a reporter asked me if I could talk to them about, like, X, Y, Z. And unless it's something completely innocuous, I'm always, like, do not talk to reporters. Just like, don't do not it. Be- not because they're going to be doing anything to you maliciously, um, but because you're not media trained. And it's not going to be a comfortable experience for you because you are going to be like, there's a potential for you once the story is published to get angry and be like, retract that or like change it. And then their question is going to be, did you say it? Is it factually wrong? And if you did, and it's not factually wrong, you have no recourse and you shouldn't. So don't talk to reporters. Yeah. Next question from Bibliophile Pixie. I've been debating since the episode and decided to watch K-dramas. Just got oh my done. God, I'm so sorry. Yeah, I'm so sorry. Um, I just got done with Faded to Love You, and my entire person feels raw. I love you guys and hate myself. <laughs> I mean, I would say live better, but I, you know, on purpose, don't go on any of the K drama episodes and won't watch anything that prorecs me. It's too late for her. Like, if she's already read Faded to Love You, or, like, watched it, rather, then she already, like, all I have to say is, snail, and she'll start crying. (laughs) It's over. You just gotta give in. Like, if you just did Faded, watch Moon and Sun now. Go, like, whole hog. Balls to the wall. Don't listen to her. Don't listen to her. You can do Cry until there's no more water inside your body. The uh, friend M.A., was like, uh, Prue suggested I watch this, but she also said that when I did, I would need to have a lot of tissues and water on hand because I would dehydrate myself crying. Do you think that's a good sign or a bad sign? And I was like, bad, don't do that. And she was like, I think I'm going to do it. And she did it. And she was like, reporting back, that's exactly what happened. <laughs> I was like, why did you do this to yourself? Because it's so good. It's the worst. So good. June Scribble says, Even though I'm too late with this Ask for the Kingsman app, I'll do it anyway. I'm surprised there aren't more Kingsman slash Tinker Tailor soldier spy AUs floating around. I mean, Colin Firth and Mark Strong's characters in the in Tinker Tailor, whatever, I can't say this shit when I'm sick, um, <laughs> were practically a canonical pairing in that movie, so I just assumed that it would be out there. But maybe that pairing felt too vanilla for people. Okay, is Mark Strong the bald guy? Yes. Okay, because, like, literally every bald actor to me looks the same. 
Woof, that hurts me because that you just included the tooch. Um, so I think probably the reason that there's not more of a crossover is that there's probably less of a crossover in terms of like who really liked Tinker Taylor and who really liked Kingsman. There are very different spy movies. <laughs> They're about as different as you could possibly be. I watched Tinker Taylor Soldier Spy, but I was not happy about it. I was quite angry as I watched Tinker Taylor Soldier Spy because it was so excruciating. And then when it wasn't excruciating, it was excruciatingly boring. And I was watching it on an airplane. So the like so the fast forward function really wasn't like too much of a significant option for me. Yeah. So like if I had watched it at home, I would have just like fast forwarded through all the boring stuff and just watched Colin Firth and like maybe paused when Benedict Cumberbatch was like crying brutally in his house. Um, but that's it. That's it. So, but I'm like a total ditz, and I feel like a lot of other people might be too, and we should be proud of that. So part of the reason I think that there's not, I'm clearly drunk now. Like, guys, this is like, it's hit. Have you been um, drinking this whole time? Like, are both of us? Yes, I have. Yes, I have, MK. I no, have been drinking this whole time. Neither of us is done. sober, and like, while you were talking at a certain point, I went and I took like the nighttime version of my cold medicine, so like, literally, we're both not sober. Oh my god, good. This is the best podcast ever. Um, but like, clearly, like, full alcohol uh, Prue has arrived. Sharif! And um, <laughs> I think that, I think Tinker Taylor is like a fine movie for people who like that sort of thing, but like, it's possible that the people who like that sort of thing probably don't like the sort of thing that Kingsman is. Yeah, okay. That's my guess. Um, next. And Anon. I think the Canadian government mandated moral lesson of the last slash report. Sorry, let me clarify here before I read this. Um, most of you probably don't know, but in Canada, if you are producing Canadian content, they have a rule where like a certain amount of it has to be educational and or Canadian, which is the reason that at the end of the dub of Sailor Moon, they have Sailor Moon says. That is the educational content that they added to Sailor Moon in order to like be able to basically make the dub in Canada and, like, produce it and air it here. So, right. if we were doing this properly, we would have to end every Slash Report with, like, a moral or educational lesson. Anyways, we, I think we could do that. We could, but they would all be terrible. But you know what? If we could figure out how to do that, we could, like, make Canada help pay for this show. Yeah, that actually wouldn't be that hard. You can get government grants for that shit real easy. I just, like, I'm lazy. <laughs> and we would have to put Maybe like something a, for 2016. We would have to put like a, a thing on the podcast that was like funded by the government of Canada. I would completely go for that and die laughing. <laughs> Good. Um, I mean, to be fair, Young People Fucking was also produced by the Canadian government. So, <laughs> good, good job, Canada. We we fucking love Canadian content. Um. Anyways, this lady says. I think the Canadian government mandated moral lesson of the last slash report can be summarized as, quote, write the porn that you wish to see in the world. It's true. It is true. That could be our lesson, like, for every episode. I don't know how many moral lessons we would have to have to get that funding from the government, because there weren't that many Sailor Moon says, and some of them had nothing to do with the episode. I think they recorded, like, 20 of them and then just, like, let it go. Yeah, I mean, like, we would just make up a couple, like, don't be a dick. <laughs> I think uh, we have to have more uh, than don't be a dick. Like, it has to be, like, a certain percentage of time relative to the podcast. Oh. Yeah, there's well, some... Well, I talked about not being a dick for a long time. 
Yeah, alright. I mean, I think a fair chunk of this episode has covered that. We can call that educational. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Government of Canada, we know you're listening. Yep. Um, another Anon. Have you guys watched The Skinny? It's an LGBT movie that stars, I'm gonna say this wrong, UC Smollett from Empire? Jussie Smollett. Okay. It starts with a J. I know, but like, I watch hockey, and in hockey, that would be UC. Don't, don't remind me about you watching hockey, because all it does is remind me about the time that you were like, who does Prue remind me of in hockey? She reminds me of a one-balled bridge troll. You don't understand how much in common you and Phil Kessel have. Oh, I'm, I, I, MK. This hole that you've dug regarding me being a one-balled bridge troll, it just gets deeper you every don't, time we talk about this. You don't appreciate him the way he deserves no, to be appreciated. Well, no, I don't. You should have picked someone who was a terrible human, but attractive. You can't be Patrick Sharp. I don't know who that is, but, it's not, but he probably has two testicles and doesn't look like he lives under a bridge. He was voted most beautiful person in Chicago. Great, then I will be him. And he's a troll. I don't care. No, no, like, like he trolls people. Well, then he and I have a lot in common. Not as much as you have in common with Phil Kessel. God. Anyways, it appears to have a completely black cast, including one lesbian, but I haven't watched it yet, as I just came across it on Netflix. I haven't seen it either, but we'll have to check that out. I love Jesse Smollett. Yeah. Um, I did find out something really cool, though. Hey, guys who are into Empire, or who have gotten You're So Beautiful stuck in your head, apparently Jesse Smollett wrote that, and he wrote that about um, Gabby Sidibe. Oh, that's lovely. Yeah, they're apparently, like, actually really good friends in real life, and he wrote that song about her. Isn't nice. that adorable? I love it. adorable. All right, next, from Veronica Rich. I really liked your review of Kingsman, and while I loved the movie, I have to say, I agree with MK on the tonal shift, read the princess, and some of the violence issues near the end. Being vague in case you answer this publicly, so as to minimize spoilers. But... The thing I'm writing about is the scene with Eggsy and Arthur and JB. You both made good points about the gun, but I agree mostly with Prue about the validity of thinking it was a real test. Can I just like sidebar here and say that while the real test might be that you have to think it's real, I feel like you extra pass if you're smart enough to think like there's no way that this is a real bullet. Like that would be like... Yeah, I feel feel like someone else like, um, or at least in some of the fanfics, people have been speculating... That, like, uh, whoever took the test might be able to tell the difference between, like, real bullets and blanks. But, like, as I refuse to touch a gun, I don't know whether or not that's, like, a feasible possibility. Um, I have only ever handled real bullets, so I don't know what blanks feel or look like. like, Yeah. Because it would literally just be, like, the bullet casing and the powder without the actual bullet. I mean, I used to refill shell casings all the time to make them into new bullets, but, like... But the different, I don't know how significant that difference would be, like, with a handgun. Do you know what I mean? Because I think, like, a shotgun shell would be significant if it was empty. Shotgun shell you would know in a heartbeat. Bullet, like, if you took out the bullet. But, like, with a. Yeah, but if you, like, took out a bullet from the the chamber and, like, felt it, I think you would know. Like, I would know. But I'm a sentinel. Yeah. (laughs) So, I don't count. Anyways. Uh, She continues to say, my main reason to think that, though, 
is Arthur does not care a whit for Eggsy or what he represents and has no problem trying to act on it later after the church stuff. I would not have put it past him to make the test a, quote, live one. Um, it doesn't lay a finger on Eggsy, but it hurts and demoralizes him either way. Valid hypothesis? I, I agree with that. Yeah, he could totally do that just to be like, hey, fuck you, I made you kill your dog. Yeah, also, like, it, I mean, wasn't the first, one of the first things that Harry Hart says to um, Arthur is that you're a snob? Yeah. And Eggsy is kind of everything that Arthur hates, so I think that probably has a lot of weight to it. Yeah, absolutely. I could totally see that being a real thing. Um, another anon. Regarding Kimiwa Peto, <laughs> I believe the Korean adaptation is a movie, not a drama. Either way, please don't watch it. You'll definitely regret it. Didn't you try to watch this, MK? No, because I won't watch Korean stuff. My friend Esther, uh, who grew up in Korea and is Korean, explained to me this, like, philosophy behind all Korean stories or something. Right. Which essentially boiled down to, like, everything has to involve, like, great tragedy and sadness and, like, essentially you won't like it, MK. And I was like, fair enough. (laughs) She explained it to me, like, in detail from a cultural historical perspective. And I was just like, so what you're saying is, don't watch this shit, you won't like it. Yeah. Yeah. That's how I feel about Chinese stuff, too. It's interesting when you see, like, what are the values or, like, what are the the key themes the different cultures will, like, keep repeating in their fiction and in their media? Yeah. I mean, a lot of Canadian stuff is just about, like, children dying in Saskatchewan. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. Like, I love how you're like, oh, I can't watch this. But I was like, isn't everything in Canadian literature about dying on the prairie? Yeah, yeah, but I don't... The, the fish have gone, we'll have to move to Toronto. Yeah, but I don't read much Canadian shit because it's <laughs> hella depressing. So most of Canadian literature is... Here's the thing. One in ten people in Canada lives in Toronto. One in ten. Um, so if you don't live in Toronto, you hate Toronto. Okay. It's it's complicated. But the point is that, let, let's say you grew up in the Maritimes or something... Uh, they have a lot of trouble generating income there. There's not a lot of industry. Like, they've been getting some video game production companies. Um, and, like, you know, some novelists and people will move there. But, like, it's a small, beautiful, wonderful place. But, like, they don't have the same kind of uh, corporate infrastructure that Toronto has. There's nothing there. That's what she's trying to say politely. But There's is, nothing there. It's beautiful. Hoyden and I went there and we were like, everything is beautiful and I love it here. But like, no, I wouldn't want to live here because I need Toronto where like everything is happening all the time. Um, but one of the things that like historically has happened is like people will work in the fishing industry there. And like literally if you run out of fish, your options are move to Toronto or like move to Alberta and work on the fucking evil oil sands. And, like, the oil right. sands will pay you a shit ton of money, but literally you have to sell your soul to do it and work in, like, the worst possible place full of just, like, potential rape all the time. Cool. Yeah, it's awful. Um, and then, like, if you go to Saskatchewan, literally the defining feature of Saskatchewan is that it is so flat. And, like... I mean, I don't know if you guys have, like, looked at a map really closely recently, but Saskatchewan is the size of, like, five or six of your United States, like, individual states. It's it's fucking huge, and it's just flat the whole way up. 
Um, and it happens that, like, a lot of Canadian literature is about people, like, being in Saskatchewan and either being depressed or something terrible happening to them, which then causes them to be depressed. And I'm not sure if that's because, like, people in Saskatchewan are depressed or what, but, like, these are the things that come out in Canadian literature. Other than books that take place in Toronto, which, I shit you not, are about, like, modern-day werewolves or, like, crime drama. What about that book about the lady who fucks a bear? Uh, I believe that takes place in, like, northern rural Ontario, which we don't like to talk about. (laughs) So bear fucking. Totally okay there. Uh, Bear fucking approved by the government, because that book, I believe, won, like, the Governor General's Award. Okay, so here's the thing about the bear fucking book. Someone, like, posted that on, like, what the fuck book covers or something a long time ago, and I, like, genuinely went through my life thinking that was just, like, a weird cover that was, like, overly (laughs) sexualized. No. the bear had to be some sort of metaphor. No, she until fucks someone, a bear. like posted an excerpt, and no, like she is like boning down on a bear. Yeah, that book won prize money from the government and was celebrated nationally as like a national treasure for bear fucking. It was the seventies, but bear fucking. Do you know who was in charge of Canada in the seventies? No, but bear fucking. It's complicated. Don't worry about it. This could take a she, long time. She, like, literally does sex with a bear. Yeah, that's a thing that happens in that book. Welcome to Canada. Welcome to our national identity. Don't read Canadian literature. That's my hot tip. Unless it's, like, children's books or genre fiction. I just, I can't even. It's, it's real bad. And, like, Canadian literature is mandatory, like, all the way up through university. If you want to graduate university, you have to take at least a full credit of Canadian literature. A bear fucking. Yeah. Actually, one of my favorite things that I had to read for my Canadian lit credit in university was a sci-fi story written, like, way, way back in the day that is hella racist, um, but is essentially sort of like a, uh, who's the guy who wrote, like, Cthulhu? Oh, um shitballs. I'm drunk. Yeah, you know. Anyways, you know what I mean. It's sort of like that meets Gulliver's Travels. Okay. And it was never finished. This, like, guy started writing this, like, racist but otherwise interesting, but, like, it's pretty fucking racist uh, sci-fi story. (laughs) And then he died. And his son found it in the attic and was like, guess we should publish it. And they did. I'm finished. Okay. Canada. Anyways, let's move on. We only have a very few questions left. Just Thank good. Because you you're drunk and I am messed up. Yeah, this is like going to be either the greatest podcast we've ever done or the worst. I can already guarantee you this isn't going up until next week because I'm like still not well enough to edit this. Oh, hell no. Like I literally just canceled plans to do yoga tomorrow morning in favor of just drunk brunch instead. Right? Like all I'm going to do is buy cat food and like go back to bed. Yeah. It's it's the only appropriate response. Agreed. Okay. Two questions left. Second last question from an Anon. So Tumblr changed shit again, and every time they do, my entire dash becomes weeping misery, and I'm just like, what? Like, I lived through years of live journals bullshit, and you're crying because the home button is in a different place? What? <laughs> I mean... After a certain period of time, you just become, like, I don't want to say inured to this business, but you're like, yep. 
Yeah, I mean, that's, I think that the people who are, like, flipping out over Tumblr changing things, I mean, part of it is just because Tumblr has always been so bad about, like, its user experience, right? It's that's literally like only usable with XKit. Right, but then the other element of it, I think, is that um, you're looking at people who probably aren't really used to... Like, you guys don't understand how lucky we are to have AO3 at this point, right? Because it did not always exist for us. And the motivating factor of, like, having AO3 was being able to say, like, we own the servers. You cannot boot us. You cannot do strike through. You cannot randomly delete our stories. Yeah. So till you have like a medium that is like fan owned and run, you, we kind of run the risk of this. And so I don't know, maybe like we're just too like jaded. Cause I'm, I'm very much like every time Tumblr does something dumb, I'm like, ah, yeah. Yeah. I'm literally just like, eventually X kit guy will release an update and that'll fix this. And in the meantime, I'll just like suffer. And not even really suffer, I'll just be like, yeah, that sucks. But have you heard the latest on XKit Guy? No. Okay, so I don't know if this is all fully verified. I'm only seeing this in bits and pieces over my dashboard. But apparently, like, there was some sort of, like, campaign, like, online campaign of harassment. And someone submitted his name to, like, a list of people who are, like, internet predators. What? And people just, like, sent him tons and tons of hatred and like he was in like a really bad place and has basically completely withdrawn from development for a while great yeah thanks assholes for like attacking someone who is trying to make your tumblr experience better or at least functional yeah i don't know i don't know too many details about it but it just doesn't seem like um i mean like i haven't i don't know it's, it's, it's a sad situation if it's true. Yeah, that's really upsetting. I mean, I bought the XKit app on my phone because I wanted to support him. And because it's a great app. Yeah. Me too. For originally, our last ask that we received was, um, like, we recorded probably, like, 15 to 20 minutes on it. <laughs> but we delete all of it because it's literally just us yelling and not enthusiastically yelling. Just yelling. Uh, but it touched, it was, that ask engendered a lot of things that I think MK and I find really frustrating about fandom right now. Like, would you say that's fair? A hundred percent. Yeah. And I think like a thing that we would want to close on, like, and this is sort of bittersweet to close on, but I mean, I think you and I have both had this like sort of creeping sense and we try to fight it, but like, I find fandom less fun these days. I find it to be a less fun place. And part of that may very well be just that, like, we are more busy. Like, we are adults. Like, we are not the persons that we were when we started in fandom. But I honestly think it has a lot more to do with the overall tenor of fandom than you and I as humans. Yes. It's a thing. Yeah. Uh, we can't even talk about it. We can't talk about it because, like, we'll do it again. Yeah. 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 But um, it could... It, 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 it can be really frustrating, and I, I think that you and I both agree that, like, we prefer it when fandom is fun. It, it, this is a thing that we do for fun, and I don't think that we show up here to get, like, depressed by our hobby. Except for sometimes when I'm watching really sad fan vids, because I'm like, you know what I want today is a sad fan vid. Thanks, uterus. That's totally different. That's, like, when you need, like, a quick, like, hit of, like, pain so you can cry. I don't cry, but I will, like, watch them on the subway and just, like, feel... It's part of the reason I like making sad 
fan vids. <laughs> I'm that person who's like, I want every fanfic to be happy, but I want every fan vid to be like, hey, guess what's depressing? <laughs> I'm a monster. Good times. I think we need to wrap this up. This podcast has gone on forever. We've recorded for three hours, and I know we're going to have to edit out a lot of it because, like, you and I are both just so messed up right now. So messed up. <laughs> this is going to be really quite the episode. Yeah. It. I mean, yeah. 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 Um, okay it was a pleasure meeting you here in our proving ground so we could yell at each other as we got increasingly fucked up through this process it's always great to get fucked up with you on skype always great always always like a a blast of a saturday night and hey government Uh, of canada if you want to fund this you just let us know (laughs) (laughs) we'll put in a moral lesson we will moral lesson don't be a dick sailor moon says and Sailor Moon says, don't be a dick, and write the porn you want to read in the world. Yeah. How's right. that? <laughs> be giving of orgasms. Um, <laughs> I think <laughs> this has to wrap us up for this week. It's We're so sorry about everything. So, um, so sorry. You can find us during the week on Twitter at Slash Report. You can find me on Twitter at Often Infinite and MK on Twitter at Moon Klutz. Uh, and with No further ado, we will catch you on the flip side. Bye, guys. your punishment slash reward yeah basically that is not even like a press junket problem that is like a taron edgerton problem he needs to stop having such an obvious crush on my man because it just makes me (laughs) want to fight him but he can't help it if you were on set with colin firth that much for that like even for like a day i'd be like yeah i'm in love it doesn't matter mk he's mine (laughs) i'm dying did you hear a chord yet Oh, I've been recording for 20 minutes. God damn it, okay. <laughs> I'm a little bit stoned. <laughs> We're clearly both not at our best. Yeah.